This week on the Argus Fancast, we've got a ton of stuff to talk about. We're going to do a Fancast AMA since we're on the bye week. We're bringing in Cliffy D to, uh, well, help us get straight what is going on in Montreal. We had a preseason game. We had cuts. We had oh, a whole bunch of things are going on. Your fantasy is uh, starting up this week. It's the Argos Fancast. You can find us at Argos Fancast on Twitter. And anywhere you find your friendly neighborhood podcast, just search Argos Fancast. Specifically Google Play, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And we want to shout out to, uh, well, we, we just discovered that we have listeners in uh, the UK and actually Pakistan. So shout out to our listeners in Pakistan as well. Uh, we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. You can find them at cfpodnetwork.ca. Listen to ours and many other great fan podcasts. Or you can find them on the Twitter machine at cfpodnetwork. You can find me at All Kinds of Clay. I'm Clay Chisholm. And joining me, as always, from ArgoFans.com, it is Will Gertler. Hi, everybody. Uh, find me on Twitter at that ArgoFans or at www.argofans.com. And from the Double Blue Order, he is... Here we go. <laughs> Sir Douglas R. Ballinger Esquire the second. You know, I'm going to eventually put, like, the Game of Thrones main theme in the background when you say that. You know I'm eventually going to do that, right? I'm going to no. figure it out, and I'm doing it. Anyway, you can, find, you can find myself and my group, the Double Blue Order. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash doubleblueorder, on Twitter at doubleblueorder, and on Instagram at the Double Blue Order. Don't forget, don't forget about your DBO t-shirts, and that's at teespublic.com slash user slash DBO Argos. All right, now let's, uh, since, I mean, we've got a lot to talk about today, so let's do a quick once-over of the uh, the preseason game, uh, the final preseason game. The Toronto Argonauts uh, beat Hamilton 30-23. to um, McLeod Bethel-Thompson-Lawfirm looked very good, 11 for 17, 222 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Dakota Prukop looked better than he did in his previous outing, uh, 5 for 7, 82 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Brandon Bridge did not look well, and uh, well, we'll talk about him later. Michael O'Connor got in one series and went one for two for 12 yards, and uh, uh, unfortunately threw a pick that uh, was solely on him. Um, on the rushing rushing end, we look like uh, we're actually going to have a rushing game this year. Uh, Brandon Burks carried the rock five times for 48 yards, an average of 9.6. James Wilder, 4 for 23, an average of 5.8 and a touchdown. Uh, and then Terrell Sutton had a couple of carries, uh, had well, the majority of the carries, 8 for 21, but uh, a lot of them were right up the right up the gut. Um, and uh, then our quarterbacks got in the action as well. Uh, you know what? You know, it, it is a preseason game. Uh, I think the Argos saw what they needed to see out of their, their guys. I'm sure... We all would have liked to see a few other people get a little bit longer of a shot in the preseason, but uh, well, at least the Argos figured out what they what they wanted wanted to know. And apparently, the dog wants to know more too. Um, Argos cuts. So let's just kind of run down them quickly. We're going to forego the good, the bad, and the ugly, and uh, just kind of take an in-depth look at uh, who we got on the cutting room floor uh, of the Argos roster. Um, Austin Duke. Uh, 
Kamathi Hosley, Malcolm Williams, uh, Darren Carrington II, uh, Cole Watson, Jamie Harry, Malik Davis, Marcus Roberson, Jonathan Dowling, Alexander Gagnon, Evan Foster, Trayvon James, Cardell Rawlings, Sean Harrington, Cam Walker, Willie Yarberry, Josiah St. John, Zach Medeiros, Tyler Crepinia, Brandon Bridge, and Akeem Jordan. Uh, any of those names j- jump right off the page at you guys right off the bat? Jonathan Dowling. I thought he was going to be a guy, maybe not necessarily start, but kind of like to have a six foot three cornerback. Yeah, you know what? He he did look like he didn't uh, look out of place last year, but uh, I guess he just did not fit in with what Corey Chamberlain wants. Um, the one that uh, stood out a little bit to to me anyway uh, was uh, Austin Duke. Um, he looked like he uh, had the stuff in the first preseason game, but uh, I mean, he wasn't tough making that receiving core. There was a, a, a lot of uh, guys in camp at the receiver position, so I'm not uh, overly shocked at that. I am a little shocked. Uh, Doug, was there any name that jumped up out of there for you? Mm, the kickers, actually. Medeiros, yeah. Because, well, I mean, Medeiros, we all know he he wasn't great on field goals, but he had a hell of a leg for punting. And I thought and I thought Tyler Carpino was going to actually win the starting job. I actually thought that, but apparently that's not the case. No, it does. It does appear that the Argos are going a little bit differently uh, at the kicker position. Um, they're. They're keeping uh, Drew Brown as uh, as their starting kicker, and uh, Ronnie Pfeffer is going to be the punter. And I mean, if you look at Ronnie Pfeffer's numbers from last year, they were on par, if not better, punting wise with Zach Madero. So, I mean that that wasn't a shocker. And Ronnie Pfeffer probably comes at a little bit lower of a price tag since uh, Zach Madero has been around the block a little bit and uh, has got a little bit more on his resume than Pfeffer does. I'm a little surprised they went American at kicker. It, it was a surprise, but uh, I guess they've uh, they've got their Canadians elsewhere, and and you know the other the other guy that they have in camp, um, he's uh, on the practice roster is uh, our uh, our favorite YouTube star Donald De La Haye, uh, otherwise known as Destroying. He actually did make the team. Uh, they're going to look at trying to develop him into a professional kicker. So I, I think that's probably a a good thing for him. He did he looked decent in uh, in training camp, um, you know. And I, I said last week that uh, really the only the only way you're going to uh, look at keeping Donald De La Haye even on your practice roster is if you think he's uh, got the uh, got the skills to follow in a uh, Justin Medlock shoes and become a commodity that you need in this league yeah and i mean he's he's got the talent to do it he's got the mechanics he's just unpolished the other one on uh, the other names on this list not necessarily that shocking to me is uh roberson he uh he was one of the guys that, that uh, looked like he was going to win a win a job uh you know after the how we ended last year but 
You know, every time I was out there, I heard a coach uh, mentioning his name in uh, very negative tones. So that's sh- it mildly. That's that's where we are. Um, our practice roster was rounded out by uh, Johnny Buwald, uh, our, our global uh, Jose Karasubi. Nah, you screwed it up already. <laughs> At, uh, Jose Casarubias, I guess. Uh, then we got uh, Eric, Eric Stryker, Maurice Simba, uh, one of our draft picks, uh, Rubens Joseph, Joe uh, Spaziani, Anthony Covington, Caleb Ham, um, as we said, Donald De La Haye, Rodney Smith, your favorite receiver, Will, yes. and uh, our other global uh, practice roster player, Christian Hernandez. Um, we we uh, need to make mention that uh, that our favish, favorite Finnish receiver did make the team, uh, Kimi Lenema. What he said uh, did make know. the team. And we don't even know if we don't even know if that's right or not. No. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like we don't have it in with the PA announcer or anything to ask. No. So once, yeah, once. Uh, oh, he doesn't even know though. <laughs> well, he he will eventually. Oh. Yeah. He will have the pronunciation guide, so uh, we'll we'll find out exactly how that name is pronounced, um, and move on from there. I think what we need to do then is shift our focus to what the hell happened in Montreal this past week. Um, and uh, to help us understand what went down in Montreal, because if a few things went down, um, we're going to bring on from the Alouette's flight deck, Clifford Pine. All right, Cliff, welcome uh, to the once again to the fan cast. You're on with uh, Will, Doug, and myself. All right. Hi, up. Hello. Good now, evening, gentlemen. Now, um,. Okay, can since we honestly have no clue what is going on in Montreal, um, did like everybody involved in football just go out for a night and then we got the remnants of what happened? Oh, I wish it were that simple. Oh my! Uh, to tell you the truth, it just seems like things just. Gosh, I don't even know where to begin with this one. <laughs> okay, well let's let's uh, let's start with uh, I mean, the 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 Owls were sold uh, to the uh, to the league, and uh, let's start with that that portion. That was the first news that hit. They were sold to the league, and now they're they're looking at uh, well trying to move move it into uh, another group. Um, I've been hearing kind of rumors that it's a group uh, involving Eric Lapointe. Is that still on the table or is that uh, gone by the wayside? It really depends who you ask because, yes, uh, for, for a while there was talk that perhaps a group led by Eric Lapointe was going to be buying the Alouettes, and then that sort of cooled off for a little bit. And now it's possibly back on, but nobody's 100% sure. It's uh, it's very confusing to say the least because the league's not exactly giving a whole lot of information out. The team, of course, is not saying very much either. So it's it really depends on who you believe and who who's saying what and whether or not you choose to believe it. Like that's I, I know this sounds extremely vague, but I mean I, I can only work with the information that I'm given, and I, I'm telling you right now, there's just not a whole lot out there as far as information goes. 
Okay. Well, you know, I'm. I was trying. The the one thing I've seen some uh, some guys publicly state that they've pulled out. Uh, there was that one uh, the uh, the Dragons Den guy. Uh, it really didn't want to have anything to do with the league's conditions. Uh, was that? Did you uh, know any more about that? Or that one? Uh, yes, actually, because I've actually. Uh, well, we've actually been in contact with uh, Mr. Vincenzo Guzzo. Uh, we've had some informal talks about what he was planning to do and what he'd like to see done if he were to take over with the Alouettes. But then um, once again, there was definitely a lot of interest. Uh, he sounded like he was on board. It looked like it was going to be a done deal. And then all of a sudden things changed and he wouldn't get into too many specifics, but uh, essentially said that he wanted to run the team a certain way and the league wasn't interested in that. So essentially he didn't feel like investing all this money and then being told what to do with his own product and didn't want to be told to hire certain people in uh, certain positions. So he basically said, well, if I can't run the team the way I see fit, then as they say on Dragon's Den, I'm going to have to say I'm out. And and that he did. Um, since we really don't know exactly what's going on on that front, um, it's, uh, you know, the, the water's gotten just a little bit muddier, I guess. Uh, let's move to the next thing that happened. Um, all of a sudden, you have a new coach mm-hmm. uh, in Kahari Jones. Um, how did that go down? Because it just seemed like a, a, a shocking move all of a sudden. Definitely a shocking move, considering the fact that you've had an entire off season, you had an entire training camp, you went through two preseason games with this coach, you're about to make your cuts, you're about to decide on your final roster, and the day of, when this is all due, that's when you decide to get rid of the head coach? That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense on the surface. Uh, according to uh, General Manager Kavis Reed, uh, one of the, the main reason why Mike Sherman was let go was due to his, and I quote, a slow grasp of the Canadian football game, which, okay, fine, that's a a valid reason. I mean, you could also not hire someone who has no CFL experience in the first place, but okay, fine, you want to try it out. You you thought this might work. Sure, you you roll the dice, and this is what happens. But to go, like, you could have made this decision a lot sooner, and if you felt Kahari Jones was going to be the guy – that you wanted as your head coach, then you could have instilled that in a lot sooner and not have to go through the the whole machinations of going, as I said, going through training camp, going through an off season, go, making decisions, draft decisions based on potentially can this can uh, can this coach work with all these factors, and essentially you end up with uh, this, you end up with your head coach being let go, and the defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator I should say basically thrust into the role of head coach as well. So, I mean, I, I kind of feel for Kahari Jones because, yeah, I'm sure he wanted to be a head coach in the Canadian Football League, but certainly not under these circumstances. Yeah. It's it's definitely an interesting thing. And one of two things is going to happen. Either this is going to be a spectacular success or a spectacular failure. And which one is it going to be? Your guess is as good as mine. It's yeah. I, I'd say at this point it literally is 50-50 as to whether this is going to work. <laughs> And the other thing about that is uh, there were a lot of things kind of coming through uh, if almost third-party channels and uh, some tweets out there from players that uh, that they were very happy that uh, they made this change all of a sudden. Um, 
was was there the unrest that a lot of people are speculating about uh, in the locker room? I, I don't. Again, I, I think it all depends on the players. Depends on which players you ask. Because I did speak with a couple of players, and a lot of them didn't see this coming. Uh, a couple did see it coming and thought, well, this is probably the direction we should have gone in the first place: is to no longer have Mike Sherman in the locker room. Uh, it seemed pretty clear that the he lost the room, and once you lose the room, you're definitely not long for the unemployment line when it comes to sports. Uh, I think a lot of the players just couldn't relate to Sherman as far as him being an older gentleman, a, a man in his mid-60s, I believe he is. Uh, and this is a young man's game. Let's not kid ourselves. Like You look at the more successful coaches in the league, and they're still relatively young men. You're talking about guys in their 40s, early 50s, like guys that can still relate to players. Uh, the best example, Devon Claybrooks, who's now going to be a head coach in BC. I got a feeling that things are going to be very successful because he worked his way through. He put his time in, but again, he's still young enough that he can still relate to today's players. Whereas Mike Sherman, I just don't think he's going to be able to relate to guys that are in their mid to late twenties, really. And uh, we'll we'll see if Kahari Jones is a little bit is more able to do so. At least he's got CFL experience. He is he's been a player in this league. He's been a, a coordinator in this league for a number of years. He just might be able to relate to these players a little bit better. And I guess that's the hope right now in Montreal is that Kahari will be able to command the respect and the players are going to buy into what he's selling. Yeah, Alouette's announced that Antonio Pipkin will be starting quarterback this season. One could argue, though, that Vernon Adams may have looked a little bit better in preseason. Do you think they're making the right decision there? Well, I'm just happy with the fact that they made a decision. They're not going to be doing the quarterback carousel anymore. I, I think now they've made their choice. Uh, I, I'm with you. I kind of think that Vernon had a little bit better of a preseason. I think Antonio made some good decisions, made some good plays happen, but there's a lot of times, too, where he felt like he was a little hesitant. I don't know if it's just the fact that they made it very clear at training camp that no one is guaranteed the starting position. Like it really was a competition from the first day. I'd say right all the way up to that uh, last preseason game against Ottawa. I, I think Pipkin kind of had it in his head that, okay, I can't screw up because I don't want to lose this potential. Like it's not being handed to me. Like I have to work for it, but uh, I think there was that little bit of nervousness and it kind of showed, especially in the second preseason game. Like there's a couple of decisions that he made that I just, I would, I sincerely hope those are just preseason jitters and he's going to get those out of the way right quick because if he's making decisions like that in a regular season game, then yeah, the Alouettes are definitely going to be in a lot of trouble. But as far as I see it, this is a no-lose situation when it comes to the quarterbacking position here in Montreal. If if Pipkin's the guy that they're going to go with, so be it. I, I definitely have confidence in him. I definitely think he's a, a very exciting player that can blossom and grow into a CFL quarterback and be one of those elite guys one day. And if for whatever reason, whether it's due to injury or after a couple of games, they decide that Pipkin's not the guy, then yes, you do have Vernon Adams who can step in. He's won games in the Canadian Football League. He knows what it takes. He wants to win. He wants to be a part of this. And that's the kind of player that you want. It's, it's great to have that sort of insurance policy in your back pocket because if Pipkin falters for whatever reason, boom, you put Vernon Adams in, and you know he's not going to necessarily go out of his way to lose you games. Like He's a solid, solid quarterback definitely exciting playmaker and i'd say this is a good one-two punch for montreal now let's i want to go back to um 
Mr. Guzzo for a second. And I've read some of the stuff that he posted in him, and to me it just seemed – to me, now, keep in mind, it's just me. He had seemed kind of like a Jerry Jones kind of vibe where he wanted to really control everything. Did mm-hmm. it seem like did it seem like did it seem like that to you as well or Well, I think he had some ideas. Like he shared a few ideas and I think a lot of them kind of took people by surprise. Uh, one thing that he, he sort of floated out there and I should make clear that he never actually said he was going to do it. It's just an idea they had was to change the name of the team from the Montreal Alouettes to the Quebec Alouettes, kind of like what they're doing out in Saskatchewan and BC to make it like the province's team. I don't think I would. I don't think that would have worked myself. I don't think I would have been a fan of that move. But again, it turns out he was just floating the idea out there. Uh, he, like I said, he did have some ideas, some some plans that uh, I don't know were definitely very heady. Like this is the kind of stuff that at least you want to hear about, not just someone just going through emotions, writing checks, and being done with it. Like he sounded like he wanted to be an active part of the community with the Alouettes. So I mean, I can't get mad at that. I mean, like some of the ideas were a little far-fetched maybe a couple of his uh, potential hires i don't know if i would have agreed with but again at the end of the day it's someone that is passionate and wanting to be part of something special in montreal i mean it's just unfortunate that the league must have got wind of these ideas and essentially are trying to tell we're trying to tell him how to run his football team which i can't imagine any any owner of any any, any sports team whatsoever I can't see any of them being on board with that. So that's to me, that's the reason why Vince Guzzo just said, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. I, I, I'm good. I don't need to be a part of this. Okay, cool. And um, despite all of the turmoil that you've had recently, you did have some some positive roster moves. $64,000 question, where do you see the Owls this year? Well, I'm I'm sincerely hopeful that they can rise above the noise, put, block it all out, and just play football. Because on paper, this is a really, really good football team. You've got some free agent signings that are, are going to look like masterstrokes. I'm telling you right now, Devere Posey, and I don't have to sell you guys on Devere Posey, Mr. Green <laughs> Cup MVP of 2017. This kid, wow, what what a player. I am so excited to see what he's going to do on the field. Uh, you got Taylor Loeffler, who I know can be a game changer on defense. Uh, got some young guys that have come in that are just – I can just see that they, they want to be a part of this. Uh, my gosh, uh, Patrick Levels. Uh, man, I, there's, there's just so much talent on this team. Uh, to, uh, I, I'm really excited to see how this is all going to come together. I'm concerned – about the whole coaching thing, because we have a defensive coordinator that hasn't been in the game in six years. You've got a new head coach that has kind of been thrust into the role, and he's got to not only be taking care of the offense, but now he's got to oversee all the aspects of the football team on the field. It's it's definitely going to be a challenge, uh, but I mean, as far as the team itself goes, I don't think it's going to be as bad as what everybody is expecting it to be. I'm not going to say it's going to be all sunshine and roses, but all I want right now from this football team is just to be entertaining. And I think that's going to happen. I think when it's all said and done, they may not win a whole lot of games. I don't think they'll necessarily lose a whole lot of games either. I, I think this team it will be it'll be exciting to watch no matter what. And that's all as a as a fan of the Montreal Alouettes, that's all you can ask for is just to be entertained. 
And uh, before we let you go, because um, we, we like to do this every week, uh, as far as uh, fantasy players on the Alouettes, we know Devere Posey is probably going to be uh, be up there, but who else is is somebody that uh, fantasy players should take a look at? Uh, you can't overlook uh, William Stanback. I mean, this kid came on the scene last year and basically took the starting tailback position and made it his own. I got a feeling they're going to be handing off to him quite a bit, especially too as Antonio Pipkin becomes more acclimated to the CFL and finds himself becoming more comfortable in the role of being a starter coming back. He's going to have to lean on his backfield and stand back. If if the offensive line can open up some holes for him, he could break off a couple of huge runs. That would be a good fantasy addition right there. Uh, BJ Cunningham, I'm always going to be high on because I've seen the work that this kid puts in year in and year out. And maybe now that Montreal has a stable quarterback, or at least is planning to have a stable quarterback, maybe they can make him a big part of the offense. That could be uh, that could be good. And also, too, uh, one name that will be – a lot of people are going to be going, huh, who's that for the Alouettes? It's going to be Jake Winecki. Another receiver that, just watching him in training camp, I see another Brandon Zilstra in the making with this guy. He came into the, he went to the NFL for a little bit, didn't exactly catch on. I have a feeling he's going to come here. He's going to tear up the league like what Zilstra did in uh, a couple years ago for the Edmonton Eskimos, and could end up back in the NFL. I think this is, he's he knows how to use this league as a stepping stone. I have a feeling he's going to do that. And if he breaks a couple of records along the way, makes a few great catches and helps the Alouettes win, I'm off for that as well. So I, that's one name I would definitely, if you're in, a, I guess, a flex position and you're looking for one of those sneaky good players that's probably not going to cost a whole lot of money right away, that's who I'd go with. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Cliffy, for uh, joining us and uh, trying to help us make sense of what's going on in uh, La Belle Provence. Um, can you let everybody know where to find you and your uh, your show? All right. Well, uh, you can always find the Alouettes Flight Deck podcast at Alouettes FL Deck, or you can just go to www.alouettesflightdeck.ca. You'll have all of our episodes archived there. You can also find the show on Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And if you'd rather just read my thoughts on the Montreal Alouettes, uh, definitely head on over to my blog. That's over at www.alsternative.com. And if you want to shoot me a follow on Twitter, by all means do so, at Cliffy D. That's C-L-I-F-F-Y-D. All right, and that was Cliffy D. from the Alouettes Flight Deck Podcast, another proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Yeah, I just want to touch briefly on something the Argos are uh article by Mike Hogan today about uh, the Argo Alumni Association. Looks like the team's trying to, uh, or is doing a good job in sort of trying to uh, outreach with its alumni. I think uh, the, the article sort of mentioned that there are a lot of players like, I don't know if MIA is the right word, but they haven't really been involved with too many alumni events. And it sounds like the team is trying to, number one, we're going to have a suite at BMO Field for Ooh. alumni to attend the games for free. And then uh, they're going to have, uh, they've invited an alumni player to, to join the team at practice the day before the home games to address the players. 
and then uh, that player will join the Argos. But I guess they're they're I guess the team lunch. So Ricky Ray is going to be doing it at the home opener, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. With the way the league has changed over the last twenty years, um, you know, there's not a lot of guys that have been been here for long periods of time that have really built themselves uh into the community um there are some guys that uh you know we probably love to see more of especially uh the ones that uh, that live in the still live in the gta um you know Don, andre dury would uh, be a great addition chad owens would be a great addition to that um to get some younger blood in there i would yeah. say ricky foley too and and those would be guys that uh you know would uh they they kind of tend to attract a lot of people, so those would be some guys that uh, that really need to get get in with that. They you know I I know their their departures from the team may not have been on the greatest of uh, of circumstances, but uh, you know I think takes uh, time. Yeah, takes time to heal the wounds and and uh, move on before we get to the. Uh, the fan cast ask, ask me anything. Um, where do you where do you guys expect the Argos to to finish here? Second in the East. First break, right? First, but it won't be easy. It'll be an absolute dogfight. I I think they're going to be right in it for uh, for first or second down the line. It's going to be um, it's not going to be pretty as far as the uh, the the wins and losses go. Um, I think they'll just finish outside of first. Um, but I I think they if they can put things together based on what we know they have, you know they can. They they're gonna compete uh, game in and game out. They've got the dr- the guys with the drive, and uh, it you know seems like they've got the uh, right attitude as far as the coaching staff is going con- as well too. Um, out west, gotta, gotta keep. Yeah. Gotta keep out of sick bay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, that was that was our big thing last year. Yep. And actually, before we head out west, um, as far as the rest of these uh, shapes up, um, where do you? I mean, I know Doug, you you have the Argos finishing first. I unfortunately have that uh, black and yellow team uh, from down the road finishing first uh, by a hair. And then I'm gonna. Think... So basically, you're so basically you're what you're saying. Basically, it's kind of like the inverted of me, where I'm thinking it's gonna be Argos by a hair. You're thinking it's gonna be Hamilton by a hair. Yeah, I, I mean, it, they're just, I, there's it's less... Gonna, it's go, I'm telling you right now, it's going to come down to the season series. Yeah, yeah. That's the way it's going to go. And my concern, of course, is two of those games are in Hamilton, which has never been an easy place. Well, one of them is Labor Day, and that's never been an easy day for us, so we pretty much have, have to win the home opener. There's yep. no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, and then uh, I've got... Uh, yeah, I've got Ottawa beating out Montreal, but I think it's they're going to be a little bit further back than uh, you know than than our than our two top teams. Um, unfortunately, I think that's going to mean a crossover again this year. You know something? Everyone crapping on Ottawa. Wouldn't it be just the most CFL thing for Ottawa to be like? Because nobody ever give nobody has ever has given them any respect. Well, I'll bet you any. I'll bet, 
just out of Ottawa's going to be up there with us. Like, not like maybe one game behind us. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I think we're, I think we're, you know, going to be uh, about uh, two or three games ahead of them, in my opinion. Um, I just, I, I don't see, you know, they, they've got a, a couple of guys who um, need to prove there's something at quarterback, so they may have that drive, but. You know, you've lost your uh, your primary pass catcher. Um, well, maybe I shouldn't say primary because I think Sinopoli. Uh, they lost Deontay Spencer. Too, yeah, so. yeah. They they lost two of their their uh, their top pass catchers. So you know, Brad Sinopoli obviously in numbers wise is uh, probably gonna. He may even. Geez, that, that he may get if they can keep completing the ball, he may he may catch like 150 passes this year. They got to figure out, the, you know, they got to see if the, one of those quarterbacks will settle in. Yeah, right now it's looking like Dominic Davis is going to be the guy. Um, yeah. Now heading out west, um, I, you know, I. I want to say Winnipeg looks good to me, just but you know they had the least amount of turnover and the the most amount of consistency. But they, you know, did lose uh, Taylor Loeffler, which I think is going to be a lot bigger of an impact than than a lot of people are are uh, thinking it's going to be. Um, but I'm still going to go with uh, Winnipeg to uh, win the West. I'm not writing Calgary off until they they do fall off that cliff. Look, every year it's trendy for us to say, "Oh, Calgary's lost too much. Uh, they're going to be they're going to you know finally struggle a little bit." But every year, John Huffnagel is able to find the placements to plug in there, and they play at an effective level. And until somebody takes down the champs, I still say they're the class of that division. Douglas, what are your thoughts on the West? Mm, uh, well, Will makes a very convincing argument that uh, you can't write that Calgary cannot be written off, and I think it's going to come down to it, it. It might be one of those years where it's an abs- where it's going to be like an absolute dogfight, four way tie to the final game of the year. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, unfortunately, I, unfortunately, one team is not going to be in that. But four out of the five teams, it's it, it's going to be an absolute dogfight right to the final game of the year. That's what I think. It's going to come down to the final game. Yeah, and and I, as much as I don't want to admit it, I feel like uh, Saskatchewan's going to be the the team on the outside looking in. Didn't want to say it. <laughs> no, I, I. But I mean, you know, I'm. If if you ask me every week, I'm still going to pick them to win, um, and uh, and I'm hoping that uh, you know my my heart proves my my head wrong, but you know I just don't see what they they have to contend on offense. They've got a lot on defense. I'm not going to knock them on that, but I just I think that they don't have enough on the offensive side of the ball. And I'm not convinced that uh, Zach Caleros is going to fully regain his form, which he will need to 
for yeah. them to uh, contend in the West. Mind you, he he looked okay against Winnipeg, didn't he? Yeah, I, you know, from from uh, the the reports I've heard, he did look decent, but you know, at the same time, he looked decent in, in a lot of spurts last year, and then he looked like the uh, the Zach Caleros that got uh, that got run out of town in Hamilton uh, well, as well. So, Mr. Thousand is, Yard Stare. Yes, BC has Mike Riley, but I'm not you know convinced that their defense. I have questions about their defense and. Riley, you know, puts up 35 points, fine, but I think there's going to be a lot of shootouts in the games that they play. So that kind of cancels out with Saskatchewan where there's no offense. Edmonton should be improved. Winnipeg, they're a good team. I just, I don't know. Yeah, I I think the, the, it's, it is going to be a – I don't think you're going to see a extremely dominant team this year um, just based on, you know, what we're what we're seeing right now. But, you know, it's the CFL, and uh, it's one of the – as far as I'm concerned, one of the most unpredictable leagues there is. Now, we put out the poll since it is our – it is our bye week, and we're going to try and do this every time we've got a bye week – um, we put out the question, uh, is there anything that you want to ask us about, uh, the Argos, the CFL, or, uh, pretty much anything? Um, now, Doug, this was your idea, so I'm going to let you, uh, lead here. Yeah, so, I, we pretty much put it out there on Twitter, we put it out there on, I put it out there on Reddit, asking, have you, have you got a question for us that you want us to ask on the fan cast, and we're going to answer it. So, um, we're, we got, we got a fair bit of questions actually in, on this one. So, uh, I'm trying to think where, where should we begin? You know what? I think let's, let's start with the, um, the, uh, the one we got on, uh, to, to you, Will, on, uh, on Twitter from Skin Piglet, at Skin Piglet, um, why are Argo fans splintered into many groups like the Argos Admirals? Double Blue Order, uh, Argo Lifers, uh, the Oars, Friends of the Argonauts, etc. Now, I think, you know, we were kind of wondering if we should actually answer this one. Um, but as far as all those groups go, um, you know, we kind of all come from the various groups and we, we're kind of being brought together in our, our love of the Argos. You know, I originally started out as a, an Argos Admiral. Um, Doug, you come from the Double Blue Order, and, and Will, you've been, uh, well, you, you, you are Argo fans. Um, so, I, you know, I, I kind of put the way that the Argos fan base is akin to more of a, um, a European sports clubs, uh, where you've got the various supporter sections or the various supporter groups, and uh, they all do do their own thing, but, you know, still still cheering on the same team. That's right. I mean, I mean, we all have different, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say agendas. I would say we all have different goals as to the way we want to approach uh, supporting the Toronto Argonauts. And, and well, I know that the friends of the Argonauts, they're the, they're the legacy 
fan group that's run by Lori Bercy, as far as I know, if I remember correctly. Um, then you ha- then the Admirals, I think they were – I'm not sure what the Admirals were. They were like the main social media thing, right? Yeah, they, we the Art Admirals were actually created by the team uh, as uh, from – uh, to create a group of fans to deal with do some social media stuff and uh, and you know they've kind of uh, kind of ventured off into uh, become our own entity all uh, apart from the team. Yeah, so there's that. And then you have uh, then you have us, the Oars and the Lifers. Who the I, so the us and the Oars like the DBO and the Oars. We're the we're the South Side End Zone guys. As we're the ones that are that want to get the crowd g'd up on defense, want to cheer the team on as much as we can. We're like kind of like the active groups for this particular generation because there's been many over the course of the x amount of years that the Argos have been around, right? Oh, so yeah, I mean we're just, we're just the we're just the latest incarnation of it. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's really just like it it it, it is really you know the the European model of fandom. It really is, you know. Everybody kind of gets gets together and uh, does their does their thing uh, in conjunction with everybody else, and everybody else kind of you know, we all interact and uh, and uh, for the most part uh, we get along. Yeah, for the most and for the most part we do with each other for the most part. I mean, there is. I mean, sometimes much like much like a family, there there are cousins that you don't ever want to see ever again. And uncles you don't want to talk to, you know. But, I mean, you're going to have to deal with them anyway because, well, they're part of your family. Exactly. We're big, big, uh, big giant family. Mm-hmm. All right, where are we going to next, Doug? Um, question from uh, Catherine Ryan here. How do we convert even a quarter of the Raptor of these Raptors fans into being Toronto Argonauts fans as well? I have a theory on that, and I think MLS and E is already doing it. They're already trying to trying to uh, court the Raptors fan base into becoming Argonaut fans as well. Because the Raptors fan base, I think, out of all of the MLS and E properties, the Raptors are the most are the youngest and the most diverse. So, I think they're trying to court them to try and get that new blood into BMO field watching Canadian football. And I'm all for it. And the other thing I, I like that uh, they did is, uh, is at one of the, uh, the home games, they brought almost all of the Argonauts out to uh, Jurassic park into the game. And uh, from what I heard, they, you know, James Wilder got on the mic and, uh, uh, well, he is a, a very excellent hype man. Um, got the crowd going, and uh, you know it was. And then they interacted with with in the crowd with everybody. Um, you know, you, you you see a lot of the Argos even in Jurassic Park uh, on their own now too. Jim Pop rocking the old school Raptors jersey. <laughs> that was a cool, that was a that was a cool picture of him. Yeah, but um, that was actually that was actually. Um, uh, the same day as they had the preseason game in the morning, they had the morning preseason game. They got they got cleaned up, changed, and came down to Jurassic Park. So, I th- so like I said, I think they're going up. They're going about it the right way by trying to court the Raptors fan base to come to Argo games. And 
And it was very deliberate, too, because I think they did have TFC there the next night. But it's, I mean, it's clear MLSC is like, okay, Argos, you come down this day to hype up the crowd to get some cross promotion going. Then the next night, you know, TFC come down to get some cross promotion to get some hype going. So it's very deliberate. And I mean, a lot of the thing I say, win, you know, the Raptors, you know, win or lose this series. Hopefully win. Hopefully win, but I want to jinx anything. Get some of their players out to uh, a game. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you, you can. There's probably a couple of guys who uh, would uh, would jump at it. Danny Green, I think. Danny uh, Green would probably have a great time. I could see Pascal Siakam coming out. Serge. Uh, Sir, Serge would fit in well. I, I, I don't, I don't know why he would, but I just have a feeling he would fit in very well. He looks like he's a, he's a crazy sports fan too. Yeah, Kyle, Kyle, I think, I think Kyle Lowry would have a good time as well. Oh, Kyle Lowry just seems like he always has a good time everywhere he goes. Yeah, and Kawhi, well, you won't know if he's, he would have had a good time or a bad time. He just won't know. The man has got the most excellent poker face I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, but he's a fun guy. <laughs> oh, all right. Okay. Where are we going next? Okay, so I'll pose one of the Argo fans' questions. Uh, Double Blue asked, that's his username, I won't be seeing the Argos live until the home opener. I have been se- seeing several people complaining about the sweater numbers not showing up plainly on the blue uniforms. What's your thoughts? So... There's two perspectives that you can look at in terms of the uniforms, I think. Aesthetically, they're not quite as bad as they uh, looked when we just originally saw them on the Real Sports website. On the players, they do look quite sharp. However, uh, I do believe that the PA announcer and the play-by-play broadcasters are going to have a little bit of difficulty with the jersey numbers. I think... There's problems with just camouflages a little bit too much to distinguish between the the numbers. I know, I believe on Friday, or sorry, the preseason game in Hamilton, people were having trouble distinguishing between Armati Edwards 10 and SJ Green number 19. Now, my my also hoping that with you know the the cut cut the cut down day having taken place, you know with less players to pick out that that might be easier. Uh, and I also, but I also think part of the problem is the color of the, the numbers on the shoulder, the, the way the sun sort of glares off, or the stadium lights glare off of it. That seems to me my, like it might be part of the problem as well. No, I think something like that could be, you know, fixed with uh, maybe if you're going to go with that going forward, you know, maybe yeah. try to make it a duller, um, a duller fabric or maybe not as a uh, reflective fabric in that that stuff can be changed i you know what i i was really much against them initially because i thought they were going to be too plain but i think that the the colors as far as a fan perspective goes i think the i think the, the jerseys look great um watching on tv there was no issues um and uh well for the live stream that uh, was but there were no issues um i can understand the you know for the broadcasters and uh 
and you know operations staff that may be may be a little bit more difficult but you know you'll 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 eventually adjust they adjusted to the bc lions having the black or the the black on gunmetal gray um they're basically black on black color and you know they were able to to uh to work with it so i think eventually it people will uh will that talk of them being too reflective or hard to tell will just go away yeah okay so i guess next question eh yep all right next question comes from uh, a good friend of ours argos cowboy when are you boys going to do a live podcast episode Clay, that I'm going to throw the ball in your court because you're the one who's who's steering this ship. <laughs> you know what? I you know he did go on to uh, would love us to do an episode from the tailgate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my only thing is making sure I've got consistent power, um, mm. and there are a few things that I can uh, try and work out. I want to do some tests and stuff, but. We may be able to make this happen at the tailgate, um, depending on uh, what vehicle I have available to me. So that I know we're probably not going to get uh, some power from uh, from the uh, BMO grounds, uh, but uh, we definitely could work work something out. Let's see, see even if it's a you know an abbreviated uh, version, but uh, we can we can see what we can do. So, so you're so. I'm it's not. Happen this year. It, it's it, we are going to try and uh, and make it happen. Um, yeah. Well, I will have to really see. Uh, I'll have to do some tests soon so that I can figure out when I can get out there to do it and uh, make sure that we can all all be out there for the tailgate. And and I, I got to make it a day where I'm not going to be spending the whole time cooking. Yeah. You know, there's other. You know, we got to consider. I mean, it's got to be almost perfect conditions to record. You know, if there's the least bit of wind, you're gonna have the in the background. So semantics. We'll figure. Yeah. We'll figure that part out. Um, you know, but uh, we'll we'll figure that out. Uh, we'll definitely give that that a shot this year. Um. We've had a couple questions about uh, about Michael O'Connor and uh, and the Canadians on this team, um, so we'll kind of lump them all in. We you know we'll give a shout out to uh, uh, Usman Ahmed, 1999. Uh, so Usman uh, from he's our he's our uh, listener from Pakistan. He says he's a fan of the Argos and wakes up at 4 a.m. for the games. Um, I'm just trying to find the people who uh, specifically asked about O'Connor. I believe you had one on. On Argo fans as well. Two people, uh, so Matthew and uh, someone named Band for Life. They wanted to know about uh, Michael O'Connor, what we think about him, and uh, you know what? Um, right now, I think, I mean, he is listed as technically the number four quarterback on the depth chart, I believe. You don't um, actually know that yet. Well, we? I mean, based on based yeah, on we don't, yeah, where we don't they. Know. Based on where they yeah. put him, um, right. you know, I, I, he's going to probably be in that uh, number three or number four spot, depending on 
you know, I think is going to go week to week, really, uh, for that. Uh, but from everything I heard, you know, the Argos didn't pick him as a Canadian. They picked him because they believe he's got the tools to actually be their future. So I, you know, and everything I saw him, him he's he looks like he does have some some growing and some adjusting to do to yeah. the professional game. Uh, he, we did see some uh, some bad reads here and there, but I, he's he's got all the physical tools, and from all accounts, he's he's got everything between the ears that uh, that you want as well. We just need him to put uh, both those things together. It was very interesting the way he was utilized in Thursday's game. He came in in the second quarter, actually, against the Cat starters and uh, threw a completion to Darrell Walker on his first throw, and then Cats caught him in a blitz, and he, he uh, made a bad read there and threw an interception that gave the Cats good field position. And then after that, they took him out, uh, and he didn't go back in. So... I think I guess the, pl- the plan must have been to give him one drive, but I was very interested to see the way that they, the timing of the way they put him into the game. You know, and I kind of think too, you know, that that was interesting. But I, had, I, based on you know looking back at that, I kind of had a feeling that they they'd seen what they wanted to see of him in practice, and. They were looking at him as uh, somebody they can, uh, you know, hopefully build on for the future and develop. And you know, they they saw enough of uh, Brandon Bridge um, and uh, decided that uh, he was not going to fit here, um, even after signing the uh, the the one year contract. And you know, they they went with uh, O'Connor as your your uh, Canadian quarterback on the roster. Yeah, I mean, he's. I think he's going. I think he's. I mean, he's got the talent. I mean, I mean that one. That one driver we saw that I that I saw. I mean, you're right. Cats cats rushed him and he made and he made a mistake. Right, it's gonna happen. Right. Yeah. So. It, it was it was a rookie mistake. It exactly. really was. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, time will tell. They'll they probably went back and looked at that and that's what you did wrong. But I. I you know what I want to believe everything I've heard about this guy and you know I would love more than anything to see uh, a homegrown or a uh, Canadian born and bred uh, quarterback succeed in this league and I'm really hoping that uh, O'Connor is the guy. Yeah, because we've had we've had our fair share come through here and unfortunately they haven't been able to cut the mustard. So, anyway, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on. Let's go to a uh, lighthearted question from our friend Marco. Marco <laughs> asks, will T-shirts ever be thrown to the second level? Well, I have a few thoughts on that. So, if Marco wants to go out and reach out to Michael Bishop to take the, the T-shirt throwing job, then he'll pop, well... Okay, wait, wait. Are we talking second level at BMO Field or second level um, at uh, at Skydome from BMO Field with Michael? Well, <laughs> no. 
We know that Michael Bishop sometimes had trouble with his accuracy, so <laughs> we're not quite sure. And don't get me wrong, I I like Michael. You know, I felt Michael Bishop got treated pretty badly at his end of his time here, but with Michael Bishop, you were never quite sure where the ball would end up. So, I mean, I mean, to to, to make the point, I mean, he could he could throw the ball, aim for the second deck at BMO Field, and end up at Medieval Times. Yeah, and I mean, we've all seen the guy throw um, a mile in game, and you know, look really good at it. Like, I'm, I can still remember seeing him throw a ball 83 yards in the air, and it was, uh, and it was caught for a touchdown. But 83 yards in the air is just ridiculous. Yeah. So you know you could you could probably put them in in one end zone and and just say okay just start picking people off in the second deck and go. The other the other option is t-shirt cannons. Yeah, I mean they did have they did have them before. Use that can. Well, they have that cannon and the the blow that fires when there's a touchdown or whatever. Yeah, they have the touchdown cannon. What's wrong with using that? That would Nothing. be that. That would actually be kind of cool. Cannon uh, throwing out uh, T-shirts. I don't know if you could make it all the way to the second deck from where it is. You're probably looking just at the east side stands. But hell, that would be freaking cool. Create some thunder sticks. <laughs> oh yeah. We're not. We're not getting to that statement. All right. Next. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. What's our next one? It'd be a friggin' troll. Anyway, yeah, moving on. Um, I'm going to go ahead and do the Reddit question here from yep. a, from an Argo fan by the name of TiskerTasker89. With that name, I question his, his uh, team allegiance, but moving on. Uh, it's a two-parter. Uh, it says, do you expect the Argos to have an impact player with a national designation? Over the years, successful teams have had an impact, quote-unquote, Canadian uh, with stamps with Singleton recently, stamped with Cornish a few years back, etc. And do you think a CFL team needs an impact Canadian to succeed? Well, just look at, <laughs> just look at Winnipeg, for example. Yeah. I don't think you can't ignore Canadian talent. You need, you know, you got the ratio, so you, you do need. Canadians who can start and play at a, a high level. Do I see an impact player with the Argos this year who's Canadian? Not really, to be completely honest. I'd say the closest is probably Cleon Lang on that defensive line. Uh, you know, he's a guy who can disrupt the run and get a bit of a pass rush going. You got guys on the offensive line like Bob, Ryan Bobbin and um, Sean McEwen, but they're not necessarily – the O-line doesn't always make an impact, even though it's an important part of the team. They're not the flashy guys yeah. that are going to make – you know, they, they probably make more of an impact than uh, we yeah. will ever know, and I think that's – you know, when you don't hear their name, that's when they're making an impact. You need you – need, you know, at least seven solid guys who are going to fill your Canadian roster. So for the Argos, that those that's players like Levi Noel, Jimmy Ralph. They're two Canadians going to be starting receiving core. They're going to have to 
uh, play at a, a, a competent level. You know, a guy like Jermaine Gabriel, in safety, Cleon Lang on defensive line, and the linemen. So I think you need guys who are solid Canadians, but I think you can get away with not having an elite guy. Yeah, I I don't see any the Canadians that are going to uh, you know really jump out and be that guy uh, right. this year. Um, I think you're, it's it's you know a lot of what the the Argos have uh, have done is it's going to be done by committee. Um, you know, I, I think Levi Noel and um, and Jimmy Ralph are uh, both going to uh, you know catch their fair share of balls and. And show that they they you know are worthy of that spot, um, but at the same time you know you've got you've got the the uh, the big guys that you that uh, you you brought in that are proven commodities. I you know unfortunately they're not Canadian, but and you've got those guys that are going to carry the load for the most part. I don't think you necessarily need a Canadian, but. I think what you need is somebody who um, embodies the Canadian spirit of that particular market, uh, and it and I think it really differs from from market to market. Uh, you, you know, you you look at a, a guy like James Wilder. Um, you know, the the market of Toronto has changed a lot, and you have a guy who's just you know out there and doing as much as he can. You know. He is basically, without being a Canadian, being everything you want a Canadian to be. He's out there front and center. He's doing his part in the community. He, you know, he he, he moved to the Toronto to the uh, the GTA. He's done everything that uh, that you want. Yeah. Okay. Next question. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Uh, I think we can go another two-parter here. This is from, uh, this is from one of our friends, Jay Nutt. Um, first part is, if you could have a guest broadcaster join you, who would it be? And his second question is, are you a bigger fan of the technical side of the game or the emotion that it brings? Well, uh, guest broadcaster who would be like to have join us? Well, Jay Nutt, why not? <laughs> we can get yeah let's let's get yeah why not let's let's see if we can see if we can get chef on the on the on the on the program here yeah you know we uh, i we need to uh get him on to give us some uh some tailgate recipes you know uh if if anybody doesn't follow jay nutt he's uh a professional chef um has run many restaurants and is uh i'm not sure which resort it is uh out in the El, uh, elmhurst elmhurst resort elmhurst resort he's the uh the head chef there or the Executive chef, I'm not sure what the, the exact title is, but uh, yeah, he's. If you've seen his posts on Instagram and uh, and uh, what some of the stuff that he's put out there, the, the dude is uber talented. Let's get uh, him. He'd be great as far as actual broadcaster goes. Um, I, I, Chris Cuthbert has been you know my play-by-play guy since I first heard him. Um, I'd love to have him come on here. Obviously, we've already had uh, Mike Hogan and uh, and and Matt Cause uh, join us, so 
you know, what the gladly welcome anybody else, but Chris Cuthbert would be my guy. Matt Dunnigan would be pretty entertaining. Oh, I would love to talk to Dunny. <laughs> I would love that. I remember I remember back in twenty sixteen when I when I was when uh, we were in line getting autographs, we were talking with him, and he was he, he was a he was a chill dude. I lo- I loved him to death then. Matt Dunnigan. See, I never I, I, honestly I, that he's still in that form of uh, former player to me. Like I didn't even think about that. Matt Dunnigan would be a lot of fun. Schultze, I think, would be a good one too. Schultze, yeah, uh, former, yeah, both former Argos. So. Um, yeah. Now, as far as uh, emotion or technical side of the game, um, I like to follow the technical side, but God damn it, I, I'm I'm an emotional human being when it uh, when it comes to football. So I I love where where it takes me the the highs, the lows, the mids, like the, the you know everywhere in between. I am 100% behind the emotion. I'm not quite as emotional anymore about sports. Yesterday aside. Still a little pissed off about that one, but I'm no longer at the point where I want to throw something through my television if something happens. <laughs> me, I'm me personally. I'm a hundred percent all about the emotion. Hundred percent. It's like I like I'm an emo- like me. I'm an emotional guy. I played hockey. I I I'm fueled on emotion. So, like, the amazing highs that we get, the amazing lows that come, the the depressing lows that come with the game, sometimes everything and everything in between. That's and that's that's what I that's what I love about it. That's what I crave. You know, the the one thing that that uh, you know, I always when somebody asks kind of about the emotion of the game and stuff like that, I'm I'm yelling and screaming. Most games, I lose my voice, but. I remember um, when the Argos uh, beat the Riders, and it, it, yeah, a couple years ago, um, and East, uh, East Final, East Final, yeah. And you know, I have you know no secret that I'm a Rider fan first, but the amount of energy in that stadium when the Argos were winning and everybody knew it was going to finish with the Argos winning, you could literally just feel it. And, and honestly, I could not help but be like overly joyed, happy with hearing that and feeling it. The stadium felt like it was shaking for God's sakes. Like it was like, I was, it was a, a crazy emotional, like positive emotional moment for me to see the Argo fan base just absolutely losing their shit on that. Yeah. Yeah. I still, I, that's a, That's like a series of two weeks that I know the DBO is never going to forget. <laughs> Not as no, long as right. we I live. Mean, that whole week, you know, when these turn final head up to Ottawa, on the Wednesday, just party for a few days and then shockingly win the Grey Cup. Yeah, that's going to be one of my greatest Argo memories for a long time. 
Um, let, let's uh, next question here comes from uh, Corey Tobias. Um, will Franklin emerge emerge as a future great CFL quarterback? I hope so. I do too. <laughs> oh, for our sakes, I hope so. I, I, I mean, he, he has all the tools to do it. And I, I think it's there. It's his for the taking if he if he wants it. it it's he's got to get. He's got to forget about Mark Trestman. And I, I'm still, part of me is still trying to reconcile that that's something that I have to say, if you understand what I'm saying. Yep. I mean, they just never got off on the right foot. No, it just didn't seem to, it just didn't seem to yeah. fit. You know, it's almost like uh, Trestman didn't understand the quarterback that he had in in Franklin and no. Franklin couldn't grasp what Trestman was uh, trying to get him to do. Yeah. And yeah. that and never tre- works no matter no. the talent. Um I I think he's I I well, yeah, I have to hope he's going to become a future star. Yeah. I, I really do. The optimist in me says yes. Uh, then let's you know jump over uh, to the UK. Um, who do you think could be a breakout star for the Argos this year? Uh, that's coming from Christopher R. Lawton uh, at CFL Fan UK. I, you know what? I'm gonna make Lori very. I'm gonna make Lori Bercy very happy by saying Jimmy Ralph. <laughs> she loves her some Jimmy Ralph. Yeah. Oh, she she loves him. But honestly, I think. I think he could do well with this offense, and I think he could break out and be be a really good player for us this year. I'm going to jump onto the other side of the ball, um, and I'm going to say that you know, uh, Michael Awe had a uh, a really decent showing in uh, as a as a player in BC. Um, I think he is going to. Prove a lot of the doubters wrong and uh, show that uh, he can be the quarterback of the defense. I'm I'm interested to see Levi Noel Levi Noel in his first season as a full time starter. He caught uh, 47 passes for 512 yards last year, which is pretty solid. New offense that maybe a little more suited to his skill set. I'm interested to see how he performs. Cool, cool. Yeah. So let's cover off the last Argo fans question because we'll leave the destroyer until uh, last but not least. <laughs> Argo Gabe asks something about CFL 2.0. So he asks three global players taking up potential to roster spots with three possible Canadian positions. Let's say a guy like Jamie Henry could be kept as an Argo for developmental purposes over a global player. Should the league be looking to be supporting grassroots players before looking at global players? And what chance do these global players have? How good is the Finn? Fact is, we don't know how good the Finnish player is. I didn't, he didn't play much during the preseason. And I don't know how much we're going to see him play in the regular season, frankly. Uh, I, I do hear what Arco Gabe is, is asking here guy like Jamie Henry, 
Westcott. I, I think he means Jamie Harry. Jamie Harry, yeah. yes. Um, I, 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 I do get what he's saying here. You know what? I okay. I tried to find out some information on uh, on Kimmy, uh, uh, whatever it is. Um, and uh, sorry, Kimmy. Yeah. we'll figure it out eventually. Well, I, think, when, I think I think we'll just call him Kimmy Raikkonen for the next little <laughs> while until we figure out how to speak his until we not pronounce his name. Um, you know what? And I I found out his highlight tape and uh, and a few of the stuff about him when he was uh, playing in uh, the the Finnish league and he he looked like a very good possession receiver he's um one of the there's there's uh one of the knock on a lot of those global players is a lot of them um didn't know much english he does speak english he actually um can even converse in french a little bit he did uh play a year at concordia so he's been exposed to the canadian game um he looks from the highlights i saw he was he was a guy who's going to be the um possession type receiver he doesn't have mind-blowing speed he doesn't have mind-blowing hops but there are a lot of times when they had the wide shot you could see him um make a slight adjustment to find the hole in the zone or Lead the lead is the defender one way, and then and go, um, and then make a quick cut the other way. He runs good routes, but I mean he is a smaller guy, so he's going to be um, in the vein of a in that Jimmy Ralph spot that uh, you know he's about the same size, and you know they're uh, he, he's going to be in tough because Jimmy Ralph's been here. Um, he knows a lot of the nuances of the game. I don't think we'll see a lot of them. Um, I hope he can show what uh, he showed on that highlight tape. But um, Now, as far as the CFL 2.0 thing, you know, if we're, if we're now all of a sudden worried about grassroots development, um, I would like him to look at... You know what we've done with the the ratio and the improvement we've seen in the U Sports product. Um, you know we're we're now getting guys who are pretty much ready to go right out of the gate from U Sports in all kinds of positions. You know you've got a a quarterback in Michael O'Connor. Yes, he's going to take some grooming, but he he is by all all means a guy that uh, can can actually hold his own in the position. You've got lots of Canadian running backs coming out all of a sudden. You're not just getting your offensive linemen and everything. We we are doing the grassroots thing. I think, you know, now you have to look at growing the game globally because there's only so much room in this country and so many people in this country to, to, uh, to grow it with. You have to move outside of Canada. And the other point in this CFL 2.0 thing is to develop those other avenues for these Canadians that may or not, maybe not going to get the shot in the CFL or maybe not get the playing time they need to develop properly to have an outlet to other leagues around the, around the world um, and hopefully make them even more competitive so that 
you know, it it can be a you know free exchange of player market like you do have in in professional soccer. So anybody thinking that this is a bad idea needs to really kind of look at what is actually going on, what the plan is, and what we actually have done. Because you obviously haven't thought about it up until now. And and the Ar- the Argos themselves, they are investing in grassroots football. I mean, you take a look at the, t- the Toronto Flag Football League, for example. Right? How do, how do we know that they're not going to want to take up the tackle game co- come uh, high school? Or even late elementary school. Absolutely. So they so there is investment domestically, but you have to look beyond North America now to tr- to brought to broaden the talent the talent pool because you're because you have the NFL you have the XFL coming in next year, so the elite talent pool that's in the states is going to shrink once again very quickly. Yeah. And people Absolutely. and the people who's and the people who think that the XFL is going to die after one season, I don't think that's going to happen this time around. I don't I don't I honestly don't think it is. With Vince is delusional as he seems to be right now with the wrestling product. Well, that's well. His wrestling product and his football product are two completely different things despite no. despite like the first XFL go around where they brought Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler to do commentary on Back a football game. Jesse, the body, Ventura. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, somehow I don't think that's going to – somehow I don't – like he's he's uh, learned uh, – I think he's learned from his mistakes. I, I, think, yeah. I, I think he's learned that this is – you know, it's not going to be a, uh, a wrestling football combination. This is going to be football. He's got the money. He's got oh, more more money than he did last time, and I mean, he's you know come out and said that that uh, he's got enough money to he's got enough money to uh, to have this go minimum two years without uh, any worries. So yeah, so let's move on to our last question. The question that I'm... for at Inspire Josh Nine, who's listening in england so thanks for listening to us and he asks what are your thoughts on mr donald de la Hay? so so for all so all of instagram that wants to listen to us right now yes <laughs> so you know i've been as you guys may know clay and doug i've been a little more i don't know what the word is uh skeptical maybe I think, hmm. I mean, I, I, look, I can't deny that the impact on the social media is there. I mean, the Instagram followers have gone up. You have kids who are at the preseason game interested uh, in him. And, I mean, even the question receiving from Josh in England is, is a testament to that. I just... I just, I mean, he's made the practice roster, so obviously the team felt enough. They felt, felt they saw, they felt they saw enough of him, and they also thought he was better than Zach Medeiros and Trilo Yeah, Kupinha. and by 
two seasoned kickers. And I, I, I don't mean any disrespect to Donald when I, I when I'm when I say this. I just you almost when the impact on the social media happened, he sort of he had to he had to keep the guy. Because you got to try to do something to capitalize on it, and I think I just want to. I think what I'm trying to say is I just want to make sure that the talent's there. Yeah, and I, I think you know with with being a kicker, um, even uh, more so than pretty much any of the other positions, you can actually get a better idea of what they're physically capable of, what their, their skill capability is of um, by watching the film. And, yeah, I mean, he's got enough film that he's put out there of himself in the last two years that he's been out of football uh, mm-hmm. to, to show you that he does have the raw skill to be the guy. Um, there are some nuances that uh, I think he's got to adjust to in the Canadian game. Um, and you know he's said it himself that he's got to figure that out. Uh, but it, he's he's at least saying all the right things to make this look like a uh, a, a legitimate look like a legitimate uh, a player move instead of a marketing move. I think that's you know what a lot of people are wondering here. Is this just simply a marketing move? And I I really do not think that Jim Pop would pull a marketing move like this. I mean, he's going to he's going to take his shot at people that you know, he thinks can actually play whether or not they have that behind them. He's not going to shy away from any of that uh when he brings in a player. I mean, just look at what people he's brought in. You know, he he brought in uh he, he brought in the bachelor. He brought in um uh the the gentleman uh, the the first out out professor or the first out professional football player michael, michael sam. sam michael sam yeah he yeah, you had what was it jesse palmer michael jesse sam palmer, yeah he he uh, had he thought these guys could play up here and by all means they had the skill set it just it didn't pan out and i you know the fact that they were you know a big things to bring up here you know i i don't think that really passed through jim pop's mind you know, this guy came into camp, and uh, he actually came into a um, a free agency camp, and he outpunted John Ryan, who's now the uh, the punter of the Saskatchewan Roughriders, and former um, Super Bowl winning punter, uh, played 12 seasons in the National Football League, and and this kid outpunted him and earned a spot over John Ryan. You know, I, I so, and John Ryan is no spring chicken. He's been around the block several times. Yeah, and I mean that can come into play, but at the same time, I just don't think Jim Pop is a guy that's going to bring a guy into the fold if he doesn't think that uh, there's there's something worth having him there for. So I I hope this guy, um, you know it. it has the talent and they can develop him the right way. And, you know, they've already said that they're going to let him keep doing uh, what he does and give him the same access that, uh, that he's had throughout the, uh, the, the training camp. 
And, you know, it's only going to help in that respect. I just, you know, really hope that, you know, he's he's as serious to developing as he's, you know, putting out there. Here's another thing. He's only 22 years old. So this kid has a, if he wants it, he's got a bright future. And I, that's another reason why they kept him on the practice roster, I think, as well. Because, I mean, like I said before, he's he he's a little un, he's a little unpolished, right? But I mean, if you're out of if you're out of football for two years, it's going to happen. You're going to have a hell of a lot of rust built up. But the fact fact is, he, he's 22 years old. He's coachable, and if he plays his cards right. He's gonna he's gonna become for us I think somebody like another Noel Prefontaine, minus the hitting of course. All right, and uh, I know you said last question, but uh, I promised that I would answer this uh, one question. I did actually really try to get a legitimate answer to this. Um, I, we have a you know a couple of people that are asking about um, larger jersey sizes. Right now, the only thing available is. Uh, up to 2x and there are some people that uh, are looking for you know larger than 2x jerseys uh, as well as uh, apparel um, I did put out a uh, a uh, an email to real sports and their management I have not received any comment on anything other than uh, or anything bigger than a uh, 2x yet um but i will continue to try and get an actual answer because i do think that uh the uh the fluffy fans do matter <laughs> absolutely i mean they're they're fans just like the rest of us and to be quite honest i know other teams that i follow they have jersey sizes all the way up to i think let me just pull it up real quick the one let me just pull up something real quick. I believe it's up to yeah they should have, they have it all the way up to five X, which is really well it's a European team, so they have it up to five X. So really, it's going to be like a three X on us. But I mean, still, it's one it's a one size bigger than the current range. I think that it's we a matter of, have. It's a matter of economics though as well. The Argos. Let's face it; they probably don't sell a whole lot of jerseys to begin with, so they're probably just going to stick to, you know, S, small, medium, extra large, large, right? It's yeah. I I know there are some teams that uh, and some places out there that have uh, charged an extra uh, amount for uh, for those those larger sizes, uh, just because normally you're not going to be able to stock a lot of that. So most of those are going to be more special order items, um, but you know at the same time I'm you know I'm pretty sure there are some uh, some of the fans out there that would you know pay the extra amount. Now I think we are uh, well we're we're pushing a law a, a big uh, big time. This is going to be the longest fan cast yet. So let's. Uh... I think you're right. <laughs> season op- season opener. Woohoo! Get um, as much in as we can. Uh, yeah. So let's, let's uh, do some quick picks. Quick picks. Um, first, no explanation. Just say who's going to win. Okay. First game, uh, Saskatchewan in Hamilton. Hamilton. Saskatchewan. Sasky. 
All right, Friday, Montreal in Edmonton. 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 Saturday, doubleheader. First off is Ottawa in Calgary. Calgary in a walk. Horses. The Calgary Canters. And uh, the late game, Winnipeg in BC. Uh, BC. I'm going to go Winnipeg. That's a very tough one. I mean, BC's at home. I know we said... I've got a gun to your head, Doug. Pick a team. BC. (laughs) All right. And uh, quick fantasy. Anybody on on your team that uh, people should should get? I I agree with Cliffy, who said about William Standback, because I think you're going to be... Handing that ball off quite a bit. And William Stanback's a good uh, good money pick. He's a good value pick. He's uh, about mid-range in there. Um, I am going to go, you know, and splurge, and I'm I'm taking William Powell in Saskatchewan. I think they're going to run the ball a lot. Well, if we get a poor, if shitty weather on uh yeah, I, I think regardless of whether the the rain is uh, is uh, actually going to hit or not, they were going to run the ball no matter what. Doug, uh, gonna go with one of Cliffy's picks and heh, can't deny it. Devere Posey, he was yeah. money for me last year. I don't see I don't see him not being money this year. He's decent value as well. Mm-hmm. For now, anyway. All right, that does it for the Argos fan cast. I'm interested to see oh. what they priced uh, this one last. In the fantasy, and we're going to be interested to see what they value Darrell Walker at uh, next week. I think Brandon Banks is the only guy in the only receiver in five uh, digits. I think Darrell Walker could could be in that department as well. Absolutely, and we'll find out next week. Uh, next week, we'll preview the Argo season opener against uh, the Hamilton Ticats uh, at home. Uh, get your tickets now. It's uh, the Royal Walker Bobblehead Day. Um, oh, one more thing. All right. Just really, really quick. Argos put out something. It's it's a it's a steal if you ask me. Game ticket, beer, hot dog, twenty eight bucks. Byron Parker's number. The, the, yeah, he he actually came up with the with the suggestion of calling it the pick six deal. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna run with that and say, Ooh. go. Get it. Go get this pick Go six get this pick six deal. I'll, I hope they can continue running that all year. And, I hope and they, adopt I that hope as they a pick do. six deal. Yeah, all adopt right, get, the pick six deal. Get your pick six deal for the home opener, Darrell Walker bobblehead uh, ticket, beer, and a hot dog for 28 bucks. You cannot beat that value. Guys, where can they find you? Let's go, Doug, you first. Uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash double blue order. Twitter, at double blue order. Instagram, the double blue order. Get get your shirts. Tpublic.com slash user slash Delta Bravo Oscar Argos. Will. You can find me at, at ArgoFans or at www.argofans.com. And you can find me at all kinds of clay on the Twitter machine. You can find the Argos Fancast at Argos Fancast. On Twitter and uh, anywhere you find your friendly neighborhood podcast, just search Argos Fancast, specifically Google Play, iTunes, and SoundCloud. We're also a member of the Canadian Canadian Football Podcast Network. 
Find them at cfpodnetwork.ca and listen to uh, our show and many other great fan-run CFL shows, as well as uh, on Twitter, they are at cfpodnetwork. That does it for the Argos FanCast. We'll talk to you next week with a preview of the season opener.